Hello, sexy people. Welcome to this new edition of the Sexy Politico podcast. This is Jackie, creator and head writer of thesexypolitico.com. And today, I have a special treat for you. I have a guest. My guest is speech-language pathologist, return Peace Corps volunteer, and my husband, Zach. Hey, Jackie. It's not like we're not doing this for a third time. <laughs> oh, shut up. So this entire thing came about one evening while the baby was playing and Zach was asking questions about what was going on with the Electoral College and thinking about it I bet there are other people with the same or similar questions so Zach is going to ask these questions he had that night that I did answer that night because I'm not mean and I will answer them and elaborate if and answer more questions if that's not good enough for him. What is your first question? So, how does the Electoral College actually work? What is happening when we have the Electoral College vote? Well, I'm going to answer you this question in a 2020 sense, since I figure that's what we're going for. All right. The U.S. has a federal election on the first Tuesday in November. Basically, the party chooses who will be an elector for either party for the presidential election. There are different rules in every state, but when we vote for in the primary and in the general election, we select who will be the delegates in the nominating convention, and in some states we get to choose the electors. Each state gets an equal number of votes that is equal to the numbers of members of the House of Representatives and members in, in the Senate. Now, due to the 23rd Amendment, Washington, D.C. gets three electors. That's why it's 538. On the appointed date, which happens to be the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December, the electors will meet in their respective state houses and vote. In 48 out of 50 states, the winner is the whoever won the popular vote in that specific state, except for Nebraska and Maine, which uses proportional distribution for the Electoral College. After the Electoral College votes in each of the state houses, those votes are then delivered to the Senate. So we get to fast forward a couple weeks, the new, the new House and Senate are sworn in on January the 3rd. Now January the 6th is a joint session of Congress, so all the members, all the members of the new House, all the members of the new Senate, and the Vice President certify the election with it certify the election. So basically what will happen is the vice president will read off the, the results in every single state in alphabetical order. And once that's done, we will we'll officially have a new president and we just have to wait for January 20th for him or hopefully eventually her to be sworn in. those Senate-elects saying they won't certify the election. I don't really get that. All right, so this is an unusual year, but the Electoral College Act, natural act called the Electoral College Act, says that the Electoral College votes will be certified in a joint session of Congress. The current serving vice president, so this will be Mike Pence, will read off the votes of each state in alphabetical order, state by state, and if one member of the House and one member, one member of the Senate objects to the vote, those electoral college votes, then Mike Pence will send the House and the Senate off in their own little separate chambers for them to argue for two hours. Literally, that's the amount of time that they're given. 
and then they're and then they either have they have to have a vote and see what they what they think so just so you know in january there will be 222 democrats in the house 212 in the house republicans 46 democrats in the senate 51 republicans in the senate two independents one seat will be vacant in the Senate, that will be David Perdue because of the Georgia runoff election. So his term finished. Kelly Loeffler will still be voting for Georgia because she was brought in to finish out somebody else's term. And even though she hasn't won her election or lost her election, she's still there to fill out this other dude's term. What many republicans are actually hoped for is to push the presidential vote into the house of representatives because the vote if the house of representative votes they vote by state delegations meaning that california and texas places like that they're not voting by the number of representatives that they have they're voting by like a state delegation so california will get one vote texas will get one vote vermont will get etc 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 and technically there's more republican states than democrat states but the likelihood of any of this happening is small considering that mitch mcconnell in who's the senate majority leader right now has recognized biden as the new president and I think that he would just pull any senator who pulls that shirt and pull them off of any committee that they want to be on. Okay, a broader question now. Has it always been 538 votes? No. Okay, I'm done. All right, now. So, since 1929, when the Permanent Reappointment Act was passed, the number of voting members of the House was frozen at 435. It's always been two senators for each state. So, that's 535. The 23rd Amendment gave D.C. the same number of votes in the Electoral College as the smallest state. So, that's three votes. So that's where 538 comes in. But earlier in the United States history, we had elect less electors because there just were less state. Next, how do you become an elector? By kissing the butt of the state's party. So has the electoral college always been I guess, relevant? Yes. Before the 12th Amendment, the person who got first in the Electoral College was president, and the person who got second was the vice president. Now, the founding generation realized pretty quickly that that wouldn't work out, so that's why they passed the 12th Amendment. The popular vote has always been there, but the Electoral College has always had more power. But in the 1900 states be began making laws saying that the electors needed to vote the way of the popular vote. This has given less power to the Electoral College, but math has always made it possible for the candidate who won the, mo won the popular vote to lose the Electoral College. Now, will it go away? Not in our lifetime, I don't think. The founders were afraid of big states ruling the country, and although it's been proven again and again that 
Most states are purple and not red or blue or conservative or liberal, but most people who are conservative are afraid of the national popular vote because they think they'll be they'll lose every single time. What I personally think is that a popular vote will actually make more people want to vote because it'll get rid of that excuse of my vote doesn't really matter and also will allow third parties to have more say in this country. So Zach, do you have any more questions for me about the Electoral College? I don't think so. Uh, I'll let you know tonight if I have any more. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you for visiting the Sexy Politico podcast. If you have any questions for us, please leave them in the comments. You can find Zach lurking around on Reddit. And for me, you can find me on all my social media in the on the show descriptor. Thank you for... Thank you for listening to the Sexy Political Podcast. I would like to thank Zach again for being our guest. Next week's episode will begin a monthly series on women in the military. I think we're going to start with the Army just because I was in the Army for 45 days. Secret fact about Jackie. Thank you for listening. Stay sexy. Have a happy holiday. Please stay safe. Bye.